Hello and welcome to the Double Double. My name is David Dixon and we have a different episode here today. Hope everyone had a great weekend, enjoyed the weather as we are reaching the end of July here, but the sports world was rocked on Friday and over the weekend. Major college football news that has a chance to completely restructure the sport itself and not saying that hyperbolically but this could be the next domino in college football that leads to a new division a new potentially national super conference and a new playoff system uh So we're going to get into that college football, some of the college football media day stuff that's been really interesting before shifting over to some draft stuff as that is this week as well. But the college football news has overtaken the NBA draft in terms of national sports importance as in case you didn't hear two of the biggest, most historic programs in all of college football, University of Texas and Oklahoma have announced their intention to leave the Big 12 Conference, of which they were founding members, key members of, historic members of, and they will be seeking to join the SEC, the Southeastern Conference. It is hard to articulate just how massive of a move this is. This is on the verge of, of, of happening. It's going to take several years for the contracts to expire otherwise you have to pay early exit fees you know all all the you know it's it's not going to be this year there in the sec it's going to be about four or five years before texas and oklahoma are officially sec schools but they started the legal proceedings today by announcing that they do not have an intent to renew the media rights agreement that expires in 2025 this is the first legal and financial step that these two schools have to undertake to proceed in their uh, departure plans to join the SEC. So this is on, on the verge of happening. It's it's the, the only thing that's missing really is a, an announcement from the schools itself, not just the, the filing, but, you know, official announcement saying, yeah, we're going to go go to the SEC. This is our intention because this just has – a massive, massive impact on the landscape of college football. So we're going to get into that. You're trying to touch on all the things that are immediately jumping out about this. The the first thing is the SEC just announced their new TV deal. The SEC is leaving CBS and ESPN is their new TV cable home. That deal was massive it was the biggest on record for a conference you know in the hundreds of millions low billions over the course of the contract potentially now that contract gets torn up and completely renegotiated uh as texas and and oklahoma are two massive massive draws and, and one of the biggest reasons why the big 12 has the current tv deal that they have maybe the sec could get an extra 100 or 200, three, you know, who knows how much more money over the course of a lifetime, but they could definitely get more money from ESPN or someone else 
if they were able to renegotiate that that contract. That's number one. And it also can will impact as the college football playoff. We talked about this last month is expanding to 12 teams in the playoff system. Going from four to 12. Was this in the works behind the scenes to get to 12? Potentially, but now the SEC could get six to eight playoff teams each year between Alabama, Texas, Oklahoma, LSU, Georgia, Florida, you know, the Mississippis if if they have good years, Arkansas, Tennessee, historic, historic programs in college football. They could now have six to eight playoff teams. Texas A&M almost made the playoff last season. That playoff deal now can be even bigger as will, will most likely be even bigger, but there's, you know, could be structured as appearance fees. Conferences get, get payouts that go down to the teams for having teams appear in the playoff. That could be uh, a factor now in, in that new contract. There is so much money involved in in the top, top, top level of college football, and money is driving this decision from for Texas and Oklahoma as they can make they can make a significant more a, a, a significantly uh, larger amount of money by being SEC schools playing football than than Big Twelve schools. Sorry, Big Twelve schools. Now, does this ruin some of the things that we as fans love about college football? Because what this is potentially leading to down the road is no conferences, that the conference makeup that we have currently will no longer exist. What this is potentially leading to is three divisions of college football. You have the FCS right now, which is you know Patriot League, Ivy League, you know, schools like Georgetown. Uh, then there's the FBS level, which is their current conferences. You know, major, when we think of major college football with the playoff and the bowl games, that's FBS. But I think potentially now we're going to see a third level above that, whether they they take the, the name from the failed European soccer experiment of the Super League or a Super Conference but essentially boils down to a national football league, potentially even a potential uh, basketball conference, but especially for football, a new national football league with all the top powers around the country because fundamentally the amount of money involved in football, not just the money these top schools are bringing into the programs through TV deals and revenue and attendance, all, all that type of stuff, but the money required to be spent on football. Football is already extremely expensive. But now to compete with the top, top level schools who are bringing in so much money, you have to invest so much money that it's really, really hard for upstart schools to catch up to the level of the historic powers currently. It's just so much money is involved now that you could say to yourself, you know, if you're Utah State, right? Just picking them as an example. Are they really going to say to themselves to really compete now for the playoff? We have to invest X million more dollars to now compete with the SEC TV deal because 
you know, TV networks only have so much money to allocate to these different conferences for their broadcast rights. So if ESPN is, let's just say, going to pay $2 billion to the SEC, well, ESPN only has so much money to devote to college football broadcast rights. Fox only has so much money. You know, maybe Amazon, Apple, one of those streaming programs gets involved, but there could potentially be now less money going to the Mountain West, the Pac-12, the ACC, the AAC. And less money going to those conferences makes it harder for them to compete with the top conferences. Now, what this may lead to is the current makeup of college football, as we know it, minus the 12 to 15 teams and schools who decide, yeah, we're okay spending a couple hundred million dollars a year playing football because it's going to bring in a lot of money, but we're okay essentially having a semi-professional football team and paying for it that we're going to have them play and just accept that, hey, we're going to play in a national football conference, that, that these are not normal students at our school, that these are incredibly talented individuals who work almost as employees to bring in massive amounts of money to the school as if you go to the University of Michigan, you go to Ohio State, one of the big parts of the social life and why people are drawn to those schools are the game day experience and going to home football games and rooting for your team and the bowl games and the playoff and trying to win the national championship. You will still get 100,000 people to go to every Michigan game, whether Michigan is in the Big Ten or, or if they're in the Super League. And if they're in the Super Conference, they're still going to draw tons and tons of kids from out of region, one, because it's just a really good school, and two, because they want to go watch Michigan play these awesome football games because that's a part of the experience. You know, people in their 40s and 50s may wish that Michigan is going to stay in the Big Ten to play Iowa and and to play Wisconsin, to play Northwestern, the way they have for 50-some-odd years. But when it comes down to it, they're still going to go to the games if they're instead of in the Big Ten, they're going to be in this super league where they could go to play Florida, Georgia, USC, Texas, Oklahoma, and Ohio State every year, guaranteed, let's just say at home one year. They're still going to get 100 plus thousand people there. And they're still going to get tons of admission applications for from kids who are who want to do to who want to be a part of that game day experience. So money will still be coming in into schools. So when I talk about so when I'm talking about this big super league, you know, you could think about teams across the country. You could probably pick the six to eight best SEC schools. You got your Alabama, Georgia, LSU, definite those three teams. You have Clemson from the ACC. You have Texas and and Oklahoma. You have USC from the Pac-12, maybe Oregon because of the amount of money that they can commit and the Nike connection from the Big Ten. You have Michigan, Ohio State, Independent, throw in Notre Dame. And then you get down to that next level of, okay, do, do you include Florida State? Do you include um, Auburn? Do you include a school like Washington? Do you include it? And an upstart now like Cincinnati, probably not Cincinnati, but how many schools do you include? Can you get to 20? Because 
that's just going to create more and more money for those schools. It's going to become almost semi-professional football, but still bring a lot of value to those schools as they're still going to get smart kids from around the country who are going to want to go to these schools because they're going to say, oh, I could go get a good good college education and have a really fun time while I'm there going to my home, going to my school's football team games because they're going to play incredible, incredible teams. And it's going to be really, really fun for, for, for them to be a part of. But it's going to be really tough in this super conference or even in this Texas-Oklahoma first part, just say, joining the SEC. You know, there's a big part of the regionality of college football that, that we love. You know, you have the five major conferences. They're all, for the most part now, the expansion about 10 years ago messes up a little bit. For, for, but, but for the most part, there, there's regionality to it. Regional rivalries, school rivalries. Um, there's the specialness of those cross-conference, either early season non-conference matchups like this year, Oregon-Ohio State being played at Ohio State. Or the bowl games where you get to see USC play Penn State in the Rose Bowl or USC-Michigan Rose Bowl, Oregon-Wisconsin uh, Rose Bowl, those types of games. Will we lose that type of specialness by this super conference potentially being formed? You know, maybe, maybe, but also if we all love that stuff as fans, it would make sense that we would want to see more of the best teams playing the best teams all the time. And that's what's holding back potentially this agreement of Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC as they have to get 11 of the 14 schools in the SEC to vote yes. But not all 14 teams in the SEC are true football powerhouses or could potentially be thrilled about this move. If you're Vanderbilt, if you're Missouri, if you're a team that hasn't been that successful the last 10 years, say a school like Arkansas or Mississippi State, you're probably not going to get invited to a national super conference if you think that's where it's going. So do you protect yourself by voting no on Texas and Oklahoma joining this league to try to protect your self-interest in the short term as maybe they'll just go back to the Big 12 and not try to join the Pac-12 and have the Super League still get created. But do you vote no as to protect yourself and the money coming in that, hey, if, if you're Vanderbilt or Missouri, do you really care if you're one and nine in the SE every year or three and six if you're still drawing good students, if you're still getting all that money from ESPN in, in the conference revenue sharing? Does it matter to you that much? I'm not sure, but there's still a potential for not all 14 schools being in favor of this who are current SEC schools. As they have to be looking out for their best interest because if the SEC, if the, if, the, if this starts to create an SEC super conference and make it seem way more viable of that possibility happening, they're going to get left behind and they're going to be looking at a financial future with way, way, way less money coming in from football. And that's what makes this so interesting. That's what makes this so complex. Uh, and more and more is going to come out about this in the next week or two as, well, if these two teams leave, what's going to happen to the rest of the Big 12 teams? I don't know. Is one of the most uncomfortable parts about this is what do you do with the remaining eight teams in terms of what do you do? Do they stay as the Big 8? Do they try to leave and get uh, – do, do the members just disband and try to join other conferences? Do they try to recruit other schools to join them? Houston would make a lot of sense geographically. 
uh, to join the the Big Twelve. But this is this is you know a major major story that's going to take several years to play out, and this is just the beginning of the, another wave of college football realignment, one that may see a national super conference of the best 12 to 15 teams. The other big news in football and college football especially is in regards to vaccinations, the COVID-19 vaccine. There's now a couple vaccines in the U.S. that are approved by the FDA and are extremely, extremely effective. You know, I'm vaccinated if you are not vaccinated, you know, talk to your doctor, but go get vaccinated. Um, but the NFL is essentially mandating the COVID-19 vaccine without actually officially mandating it. As they are saying, if you are unvaccinated and you have a violation, you may get fined. If there's a COVID outbreak, they're not doing uh rescheduled games this year it's just going to be a forfeit uh which will affect playoff standings potentially even if a game doesn't get get played the players won't get paid and this is following down to the college football ranks as the major college football conferences are not going to reschedule games this year they the the conference commissioners have come out and said that if there is a covid outbreak between a team due to unvaccinated players those games will be ruled forfeits and they will not get rescheduled. And that's a massive, massive deal. And so with that, every coach is being asked about the vaccine status of their team at their respective media days. As if you are get to 85% of your team and program vaccinated in different conferences, that's the quote unquote herd immunity level that you can, that the restrictions, uh, decline in terms of daily testing, mask wearing inside, all that type of stuff if you have 85% vaccination status. Now, some coaches have responded better than others about their team's vaccination statuses, but we all know as we can all see the map of of the country and reading the, the news in that a lot of the states with the lowest current vaccination rates are schools in SEC country. And one rule, one role that the SEC schools can have in terms of impro- improving and helping with the vaccination efforts in their home states is to mandate vaccines for game attendance. If that, uh, in order to go to an Alabama football game or an Auburn football game or whatever, whichever school you have to be Vaccinated, you have to show proof of vaccination. And, you know, if Madison Square Garden can can do it for a Foo Fighters concert, I I and still get thirty some odd thousand people to go to see the Foo Fighters. I I truly believe that by mandating vaccines for game day attendance, you can lead to still having full sellouts down uh down at at those games because it's it's so popular and people want to go. And if that's what it's going to take to go to the football games, I think people, it could help incentivize people to get vaccinated uh, earlier so that they can be ready for football season. And then the other thing is football success is extremely, extremely important to so many major 
colleges across the country, but especially to SEC schools. And, you know, just think about everything that that we have seen uh, schools prioritize with the football program. So success is extremely important to these schools. And if there's anything that there can be to lower the chance of their team losing a game due to a COVID-forced forfeit, that could potentially be the difference between making the conference championship game, the difference between making the playoff, the difference in winning or losing versus your rival school. It seems to be that should be priority number one for so many of these schools and anything. And you could sell it as it's being part of the team in that if you, you know, it's not just the players who can get sick, but the virus can transmit from different people to other people and if a fan unwilling you know not you know unknowingly has it as they're asymptomatic and meets at a restaurant with a player doing a jersey signing for as a part of an nil agreement and then that person gets 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 the player infected and all of a sudden you have to force to forfeit to your rival and maybe miss out on the conference championship game that's like nightmare scenario number one for so many of, of, of these schools that anything to lower the chance of a team losing a game due to COVID, uh, I, these schools, I think, should be doing and 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 could do as you you tell everyone, we're all a part of this team. And if you're a fan of this team, that this is your, do your part to help this team win and to achieve all of its goals and to play all of its games is to go get vaccinated. It's, it's amazing. I think that these SEC schools could have a real impact in that part of, of the country where the vaccination rates are lagging that they could help them by mandating the vaccine for game day attendance. Now we have the NBA draft this week. We haven't covered too much of, of the draft today because of all the college football stuff. But remember, draft week is rumor mill central. Key players are always talked about being on the move during the draft. There are talk about so-and-so has a promise. So-and-so is targeting, you know, this team A is targeting player B. Team C wants to trade up to take player G. All this stuff. Don't believe every single rumor that you read. It's just like the NFL draft. Teams leak stuff. Agents leak stuff. Players leak stuff to try to help their own draft status, to try to see what the market is out there. Don't believe everything that you read this week. But there are some players who could potentially be on the move. We always see trades at the draft. That always happens. But it's not all the time that true all-star players get traded at the draft. So there's three guys who players or there, there there are three players who the general consensus thinks could be moved at some point in the next year, either this offseason or at the trade deadline. And that's Bradley Beal, Ben Simmons, and to a lesser likelihood, Damian Lillard. So all three of those guys are going to be in heavy, heavy trade talks in the media, on Twitter. Everyone's going to be floating their they're floating their names out as, oh, are they going to get moved? It seems if anyone is going to get moved, the the most likely it to be is Bradley Beal, as there seems to be the most smoke around a potential trade request, but none of that is being officially reported. What we may likely see is just more draft day trades of 
A team trading a couple picks to move up, a team trading down, a, a team trading a bad contract and their first round pick to try to maybe sign someone in to, to set themselves up for free agency. It is just good to remember that a lot's going to happen this week. A lot's going to be said this week. And to just until it happens from trusted sources like Woj and Shams, don't just believe every single rumor that's out there. Last thing today, very quickly, Team USA basketball falls to France in game one. This is an emergency reaction. It could be a complete overreaction, but I'm gonna I'm just gonna chalk this one up to a really bad shooting game. They shot in, you know, 35, 36%. France is a very good team with a bunch of NBA players, and they only beat us by six or seven. Um I still have hope and faith that they're going to win a gold medal, but this performance, going back to the exhibition games to now the first game in Tokyo, the panic button is, it's on. We're at DEFCON two and a half, probably. Uh, not DEFCON one, but two and a half. Uh, but Team USA still has an immense amount of talent, but they have to try to find some rhythm, find some chemistry, and... If they can, not rely so much on the three-point shot, but even though the line is shorter, but keep working the ball, try to get to the basket, and use your talent that when the talent plays together, they're just impossible to stop uh, in the Olympic competition. So that'll do it for this episode of The Double Double. If you like this podcast, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, where you can subscribe, rate, and review. Five stars would be much, much appreciated. You can also follow us on Twitter at DBL underscore DBL podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Take care and make a great day.